Hi, we're sisters, Amy and Nancy Harrington, the founders of the Passionistas Project. We've created an inclusive sisterhood where passion-driven women come to get support, find their purpose, and feel empowered to transform their lives and change the world. On every episode, we discuss the unique ways in which each woman is following her passions, talk about how she defines success, and explore her path to breaking down the barriers that women too often face. Hi, everyone. Today, we're talking with Nikki Porcher, the founder of Buy From a Black Woman. Nikki ensures that Black women are seen, supported, and heard. She opens doors for Black women business owners and advocates for them at every level of the business ecosystem. She pushes for change at the policy level, champions supplier diversity at the corporate level, mentors Black women founders at the business level, and also educates consumers on how to support Black women entrepreneurs consciously, sustainably, and long-term. She's managed to get incredible results because of her approach. She's built the highest ranking online directory of Black women-owned brands. She secured partnerships with major brands like H&M and Masterclass and helped Black women drive $2.7 million in revenue. And she's built an engaged community of 200,000 plus partners and allies. Nikki believes that women that Nikki believes that Black women deserve an equal chance, so she does everything she can to make sure they get the best tools and resources to start, build, and sustain thriving businesses. Buy from a Black woman ensures that Black women have the tools and resources that will allow them to be successful. Through educational programs and online directory and funding, Buy from a Black woman continues to grow as a trusted resource that helps Black women in business. So if you're joining us here live today, feel free to drop any comments or questions in the guest chat, and we'll do our best to get them answered. And now we'd just like to please welcome Nikki Porcher. This is always the awkward part because it's pronounced Porsche. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. We should have asked you that to start. <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> Porsche. Of course it's Porsche. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> How embarrassing. We'll re-record. We'll re-record the intro for the people who aren't watching live. So so let's act like we weren't dopes. And <laughs> I always I always encourage people to leave that. Um and and I and I do that because so often sometimes black women are scared to correct people. Yes. So I always I'm like, no, no, leave it in so in real time they can see that you have to be your biggest advocate first. Like you can't expect other people to advocate for you if you're not willing to speak up, if you're not yes. willing to say, oh man, well, this is going to be awkward. Um, and that's part of the work I do with Buy from a Black Woman. That's part of what I do with advocating for black women. I go into spaces where black women might feel intimidated or they might not feel so comfortable to say, oh, well, that's incorrect or that's not accurate or this might be uncomfortable for everybody but it needs to be said so leave it in let people understand like you know sometimes you have to speak up even when it's not you know always what it seems like and there's no need to hide corrections I right. even when I do my own podcast there's so often they'll hear me correcting myself with my voice with my language with my phrasing um in real time the dislimiting beliefs I'm like you know what that's a belief I had I'm changing that so let me correct this and let them witness that because if we don't see people growing if we don't see the growth they think we just woke up like this and it takes growth it takes work it takes time to learn stuff so if people don't think people are learning then they'll won't go 
go and learn and do the work to get to where they need to be. That's perfect. We've been talking a lot about that too, about like perfection and nobody's perfect. Everybody Mm -hmm. makes mistakes. And if you are waiting to start something until everything's perfect, (laughs) it's never going to happen. So, and also asking the questions, like we should have asked you that before we started and not assuming. And, you know, that's part of the education process too, is learning to ask the right questions and a simple one, like, how do you pronounce your name? But, (laughs) but more meaningful and deeper ones too. And, you know, so uh, learn but leave it in. if you're listening, they left it in. If they didn't, I don't know. But I always say leave it in because just so people can understand that we're all growing. We're all human. Um, and there are kind ways to let people know when something did not happen correctly. And mm-hmm. I think people think everything has to be nasty and mean and confrontational. And it doesn't. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, we're leaving it in. So, hi everyone, and welcome, Nikki Porsche. <laughs> Nikki, what are you most passionate about? I'm black women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just very that simple. Um, black women raised me. I grew up with three black women in the same household, so that was my example of what being a woman was, what being community was, what you know. And there are three black women from. Even though they're family, my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt, there are three different versions of what being a Black woman is and what it looks like. Um, so it's kind of hard not to be obsessed with Black women growing up when that's all I saw in my house. And my mother is a history teacher by trade. So like learning the history of Black history, Black history in America, Black women history in America, and why so many people put them all together. They are three separate things as well. So I'm passionate about Black women. I'm also passionate about veterans, um, right? Especially women veterans. And I always say, if I wasn't doing this, I would be working as hard for women veterans in this space. As a woman veteran, I know what it's like after you leave active duty. I know what it's like when you're in active duty. So, you know, women, Black women, veterans, all that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us about... Uh, more about your childhood where you grew up and then leading up into joining the service and your your service itself oh my goodness well if you're listening you might want to get some coffee or a tea because it's a story girl so (laughs) i am from new jersey um central and southern new jersey so i grew up in mercer county burlington county um spent some time in atlantic city pleasantville area as well so by the shore all that stuff like all that area. I um, grew up in Jersey, grew up with my mother, single mother, my father. He was um, addicted to crack cocaine at, a, you know, at my younger age. He grew into a phenomenal man. You know, he had been published in Vogue. He taught at FIT. He was a photographer, a very creative artist. And unfortunately, because of his community, and the people he was around, he fell addict to drug addiction. So during my upbringing, that's what I witnessed. That's what I saw. But my mother graduated college. She knew in eighth grade that she wanted to be a history teacher. She didn't let anything being pregnant as a teenager, you know, it come all that stuff. She didn't let anything sway her. She was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Went to the Trenton um, State College, which is called the College of New Jersey now. So like, I again, learning all that stuff. My mother, uh, my grandmother from the South migrated up North 
raised a family of six children on her own. My grandfather died at a very young age. So she was raising six children in Trenton, New Jersey during the 60s, 70s, all that jazz. My aunt, who was a fly girl, all that jazz. So grew up in New Jersey. Um, I did not go to a traditional high school. I went to a technical high school where I picked up the trade fashion fabrication. Um, so I was a seamstress, a sewer, and I was able to learn that as a trade. So much so I got picked up in high school with a job, got a job right out of high school, but got fired because I was partying. I was out there like, oh, I got money. <laughs> Let's party hard. Um, and once I got fired, I realized that I was an adult who could not live with my mother because two adults can live in the same household under one set of rules. Because if I think I'm grown and she thinks she's grown, how she going to tell me what to do? So I ended up joining the Air Force. And the funny story around that is I want to go into the Marines. And I had saw a documentary. I know I saw this documentary about the Marines and their boot camps. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. I need discipline. I need some order. I'm joining the Marines. The next day, he goes to the Marines office, and I'm talking to the Marine recruiter. And he's like, well, let's take a walk. And he walks me to the Air Force office. He's like, this is where you belong. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I didn't pick the Air Force. The Marines picked the Air Force for me. So did that. Um, and was in the Air Force, got out of that, was looking for jobs and things happened around that. Ended up going to college as an adult with my son. And, you know, things happened with that where I was able to work back in fashion, work in nonprofit, work in marketing. Um, was a visual arts school teacher in high school and middle school. I'm giving you the straight Cliff Notes version of all this. It's <laughs> great. It's great. You know, um, I... You know, during all this time, I shattered my kneecap sumo wrestling, and I was told, like, I wouldn't run or walk again, which got me into running half marathons. So, I'm, you know, currently, that's what you see behind me. I'm trying to run a half marathon in every state. So, we have 32 states left. Um, I did do a full marathon. I did the New York City Marathon under buy from a Black woman, so I was able to complete that. Um, and, yeah, I, I do some of this. I do some of that, but it's all for Black women. Wow. All right. The, the one thing, the one thing snuck by me that I want to go back to sumo wrestling. Tell Thank us you. a little bit about that. <laughs> so it is funny. So it was a beautiful day. Um, and then my son at the time, he wanted to go to the museum. I was like, no, it's so nice outside. Let's go outside and hang out. And I had a group of friends and this was in Philadelphia. And you know how they have like the street fairs and the street markets and stuff like that. So we were just doing that, just hanging out. And one of the activities they had was sumo wrestling, where you could put on the sumo suit and you can sumo wrestle. And so I was like, okay, sign me up. So I did that. And I was sumo wrestling a man. It's always that man ego. I beat him and he wanted a rematch. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you a rematch. I should have just won and done. But like, okay, my ego, I also am a Leo. So my ego came up to say, like, let me beat you twice so you can go home. And like, you got beat twice by me. Um, during the sumo wrestle, he picked me up and he threw me. And when he threw me, I landed on my left knee. And it just, because it was the pavement was underneath the mat. And it just shattered on site. But I didn't know for three days, right? I just was like, oh, it really just hurts really bad. So I drove home. My mom came and got my son for me and they hung out for the weekend. And that Monday I took him to school, drove him to school. Then I drove to the ER and I hopped in the ER and they were like, ma'am, 
who drove you here? I'm like, oh, I drove myself. I'm like, ma'am, you're, you're, you're getting shattered. You need emergency surgery. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that explains too much. <laughs> so yeah, how to do that. And there, it was crazy because I had no health insurance, right? Full transparency. I had no health insurance. Um, and I didn't go to the VA emergency room because it was just too far. I went to like my local emergency room in Jersey. So because I had no health insurance, and this is how the predatorial stuff works, they were having, you know, sample cases and like, you know, you can volunteer for certain things. So I volunteered so that my surgery would be discounted, um, where they were able to like put some dissolving screws in my knees because it needed to be repaired. So instead of like the regular one, they're like, oh, we'll try this on you. No, no cost. I'm like, well, sign me up because I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, but with that, they were like, you will be able to run. Um, you may walk with a limp. And I was like, well, I'm going to train myself not to do that. And that's when I really got into running half marathons and 5Ks and stuff like that. Wow. That's incredible. So from being in the service, what was your <laughs> what was your journey to the point where you decided to start by from a black woman? Yeah. So from the service, um, when I got out of the military, I had collected degrees while I was active duty because it was free for active duty military members. And I was bored while I was in the military. My, my job was I was a maintenance scheduler. And what that does is I schedule the maintenance and the flights for 135s, which are the refueling jets and 130s, which are cargo planes. So it was a very boring job. Like you could do that in your sleep. Like it was just very boring. Um, so when I got out, I was just like, I don't know what to do. Of course, I could work at the airport, but I don't want to do that. So there was one day where I was in downtown Macon and I was, I had nowhere to go because I had no job. Right? So I'm just sitting there like, what am I going to do? I don't want to be in the house. Da, da, da. And there was a car that had hit another car and they hit the car and they left, but I was able to get the license plate for it right so I was just like well I'll just sit and see it's about to be lunchtime maybe somebody will come out the building and this will be their car and it happened a woman came out and it was her car I said hey somebody hit you um they left but here's their license plate and she happened to work for the police department so she's like oh my goodness thank you so much for letting me know if there's anything that I can do let me know I said yeah I'm looking for a job so if you know somebody hiring let me know <laughs> So time passed, we had to, um, you know, exchange information and she sent me an email and she's like, Hey, they're expecting you to go ask for this person. And it was a nonprofit at a church. And that was how I got introduced to the nonprofit world. Um, and that's where I learned like what nonprofit was, the different meanings of it, what a board was, like everything about it. And that's what inspired me to go back to Jersey and go to school so I can learn more. Because I like, I love this, but I know I only get so far because I don't have qualifications or experience or a degree or anything. Um, so let me go learn. And my mother was in New Jersey. So like, I'll go back to Jersey so she can help me go to school with my son. Um, and we can do that. So that's how I was introduced to nonprofits. And then I was getting jobs in nonprofits. And I was working at a particular nonprofit, bored out my mind. And I knew that I, I was destined for more. I always knew I'm supposed to have more. I'm supposed to do more. And I'm supposed to be somebody for somebody. And I wanted to make sure that reflected people who look like me, who thought like me. I just didn't know what it was going to be. And it was when I went to an event and I was the only Black woman at this event. And I was just like, well, 
Let me do this for Black women. So I started blogging. I still wasn't a nonprofit. I just started blogging about businesses owned by Black women. And people were reaching out, like they were sharing the blog, they were talking about the blog, but then Black women who are business owners like, oh, well, do you have resources? Um, can you put my business on your website? Could you put me in the blog? And the other people were like, oh, well, can we donate something to you? Because this is great. We want this to keep going. And that's when I was like, okay, so all of this must have been for me to create this. And let me just use all that and pour it into my own. Wow. And so tell us what the mission is of the organization. So Buy From a Black Woman is here to educate, empower, and inspire Black women business owners and the people who support them by providing educational resources, financial support, awareness, and an online directory. So people have no excuse, no reason not to shop, support, or buy from a Black woman. So, so let's talk about what some of the key issues are that are unique to Black women in business? Yeah, um, so they're Black women in business in America. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, they're Black, um, they're women, um, and they're in America. So, so those are the three key issues <laughs> right there. Besides that, yeah. piece of cake. Piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like all, all three of those are issues um, that, you know, because all the issues that women have to deal with with being a woman in America, with being a woman business owner in America, you know, that it comes with black women business owners, being black in America, being a black business owner in America, that comes with black women um, being in America. Um, obviously, I do support the country. I serve in the country. My son is currently in the army. Um, so I have strong political views. I do believe that the military can serve purpose for those who lack purpose. I also like my hot take is I don't think any <laughs> elected officials to serve in office if they did not serve time in the military. Like that's just my personal viewpoint. Because how can you leave somebody for something that you never done? But I digress. Um, so it's just a lot of stuff. However, this country is not kind to black people, definitely not to black women. Um, this country does not put us first. This country was not built for us to have any type of advantage, um, profitability, or even livelihood if we think about it. So when a person is starting a business, whether Black, White, Puerto Rican, or Haitian, as a small business owner, there's just so much that we have to go against with capitalism, consumerism, um, income status, just demographics. It's already a, a block. It's already a stepping stone. So adding being a Black woman on top of that, you know, you get two more added to you because you get the, everything that women have to deal with, everything that Black people, Black folks have to deal with, you get both and nobody wants to give you anything for that. So there's a book called, Some of Them Are Brave. Um, what's it called? As somewhere, as you see, I like I like books, but it's just like, some of them are brave, some of them are white, but then, you know, some of them are Black women. And it's just like one of those things where we, we talk about feminist movements, but that was created and with white women in mind, they leave black women out. And then we talk about the racism, but black men leave black women out behind that. So we just really have each other and allies who understand that the importance of supporting. Right. So where do you start? I mean, that's, that's huge. So how did you even know where to start? Yeah, you just start. 
<laughs> with anything. You just have to start. You have to truly have some type of faith and spiritual practice. Um, I am a believer. I believe that you have to have something that grounds you. Otherwise, you just won't make it. And not believing is believing is something as well. So I know that I had this conversation with a woman. She let me know, she said, well, I'm an atheist. I said, well, you believe that you don't believe. That's a belief. <laughs> like you're, you're standing strong on that. You felt like you had to let me know what you don't believe, but you believe in not believing. So like that's what's holding you down that's what's centering you so you still even though you're like oh that's not true da, 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 you're still practicing something um so i don't ever discredit anybody's belief whether it, whoever whatever having a belief in something and believing not to believe in something is still a belief and that's what's going to keep you going and you have to have something like that otherwise it's going to be a very lonely world it's going to be a hopeless world um and you're not going to make it. So starting is just how you start. If you're like, I have this idea. First, an idea is not going to come to you if you do not have everything that you need to fulfill that idea. And I, I say that all the time. It's like, oh, well, I don't have a million bucks. Okay, but you know what? Your idea is a million dollar idea today. It may be down the line, but today it's not. You know, what gets you there? How does that start? What does the beginning of that process look like? It could be something as simple like, oh, I want to do this. Okay, how will people find you on social media? That's free. You have a phone. How will people buy from you? On your website, $1.99 on GoDaddy. You can do that. So it's like, there's nothing that you cannot not start. You can literally just start. That's awesome. And so when people join Buy From a Black Woman, what resources do you provide them and how do you help them move forward? Yeah, so we have tons of free resources that people utilize a lot. So we have like a lot of education worksheets on our website. We have bfabw.tv which is our e-learning um, platform. We have experts in their field who offer an hour a month to teach. And I mean, like we have accountant, we have planners, we have um, an attorney who helps with business law, trademark protection, um, a number of other different people. We have a mental health specialist. Like So like even with that, that's free learning. We have our workathon where you can come on and work with other Black women. And there's an hour that's dedicated to just idea generation where you're like, oh, I have an idea for this. Do you think it'll go over? And these are other Black women who can share with you yay or nay or even some stuff that helped them. And they share their resources. Our last workathon, a woman, she shared all of her marketing plan that an agency created for her. It's like, oh, this agency put together this case study for me. Here you go. See what works for you. See what doesn't. Now, she paid about 40000 for that, but she willingly, freely gave it to another woman. And that's the type of stuff that you can't put monetary amounts on, you know, like the community building. Um, we have a directory. We list your business. I know that people are getting contracts. People are getting corporate deals. People are getting so much from people coming to the directory. Um, as when I met you all, we do in stores with some of our partners with H&M. So if one of the women, they come inside the store, another person sees them inside the store, then they get picked up to go other places as well. Because now the credibility, we know there is currency with clout and with social media clout, like that's a nice currency. So now you're getting that currency of a community. You're getting the credibility of the community. You're even being able to use the name 
And I tell black women, I believe in nepotism. I believe in favor. So if you say my name in a positive way, gets you a door, gets you a meeting, gets you an email answer, go for it. Like you're connected. You're connected. So all that's just some of the things. And, you know, we do a lot that I can't think of right now. But, you know, we're out here. <laughs> So it's so amazing and so inspiring to us because we're trying to build something similar for all women. And so we want to bring your community inside our community so we can all help each other, you know? And so it's really yeah, communities need to overlap more. Yeah. Um, they really do. And I know there's so many people who get very like fidget and anxious, but oh, well, you can't be over there because you're over here. Mm -hmm. However, if we really think about like how things grow it is the overlapping. It is the sharing of community, sharing of resources. And that goes back to that belief. There's no reason to hoard or anything. Um, you don't have to be stingy. You don't have to be selfish. You get to give, right? Like there's so much. You need to make room for everything that you're receiving. And if you're keeping everything inside, how can more come? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the Buy From a Black Woman Business Accelerator Program. How does that work? Yeah, so last year we were able to certify uh, 15 Black women business owners with their Minority Business Enterprise Certification through the, non the National Minority Diversity Supplier Council. I'm trying to make sure I get the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> and what that is, is um, as we see the changes in the structures happening with government, with city, with government um, officials, with corporations, they're going to be looking for more credibility from minority business owners, from black women business owners, from women business owners. So having these certifications, it's key to get into the doors. So one of the things that we are offering is that where we pay the cost for that is not limited to just one city or one state. Um, last year with the 15 Black women, they were 15 Black women from all across the country. So we're now we're forming partnerships with these councils that are in different cities and different states. Um, so that's just one of the offerings. But we also do a marketing class. We have an attorney who gets them business right, an accountant who teaches them how to do that. Um, this year for our accelerator program, I think we're doing like HR classes. We have some e-commerce classes being taught by some of the leads over at HR. H &M. So they'll be learning from a global retail company of how they do their marketing campaign and they can implement that stuff. We've done something before like that with the office of Angela Scott. Um, Angela Scott is an amazing woman, amazing shoes, um, but her people came in and taught some of the classes with one of our accelerated classes as well. So what we're doing, we are just equipping um, business owners who are at a small scalable size to grow their business into something bigger by providing foundations and fundamentals to make sure that they are equipped not only to grow their business, but to go ahead and bid for contracts with corporations, with the city, with the government as well. That's awesome. So who are some of your success stories? Like, who do you look at who started with you kind of not knowing yeah. anything and now are, are doing really well? 
Well, I always go to um, Sinead Jones and, you know, I'm biased because we're friends now. She's one of my best friends now. Um, she is my best friend now. Let me correct that before she listens and calls me out. <laughs> but um, when it first started, we really started at the same time and we were strangers. She received her first grant from Buy From a Black Woman and we were just able to just grow um, her business. She's grown her business and she's always credits buy from a black woman because we were strangers and I don't vote on the grant committee. Um, and we, we've done away with grants just because there's so much happening with American first and the lawsuits and with grants. So really we don't, we can't afford those type of attorneys. Um, but she is a success story for sure. Another one would be Bethany, um, peak of, you know, St. Nell now, but she was top coat in the beginning and she's grown her business. It's just, you know, she's another one who we see from the start and now she has her nail polish company, but she also has a fulfillment center. And that was because she was growing her company and she realized she needed somebody to fulfill her orders. And she was like, you know what? I can I can do this too as well. And then she was able to employ her business, um, her family. So now she created a family business with as her and two of her brothers who's working on that. So just the growth from us believing in her, giving her that opportunity and her just believing in herself to do the work and push it more. So those are two that come first to mind. And there's just so many, you know, I'm a success story. I'm proud of that as well, because I've grown a lot. Buy from a Black woman is my first business. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I made a lot of great decisions as well. When I started Buy from a Black woman, I had a desire to own a business. I never knew I would own a business, let alone help other Black women in business. But it's one of those things like trusting and believing and realizing all that stuff happened for a reason. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to keep going until you tell me not to anymore. Excellent. Um, and one of the success stories that our community is familiar with is Kim Roxy. That we That's how we yes. met you. Kim has been involved yes. in a bunch of our summits and events and, and, uh, and she's a powerhouse. She is a uh, passionista superstar. <laughs> yes. Yes, Kim is. And I know she was with us um, when we went to New Orleans in 2022 and she sold her stuff inside of H&M and it was during um, Essence Festival. And she let me know that was her first time ever selling out of her product. And since then, she has not stopped selling out of her product. So, you know, we kind of helped her with that ball, but Kim is a very hard worker. So I don't, I don't take the credit for any of the black women because without the work, you know, it, nothing would be a success. But yeah, we, we like to give nudges just like, oh, hey girl, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> hey we all need that you know yeah. I mean that's what we're about too it's like you're doing great <laughs> we do it to each other every day thank god we have each other so um so talk about that H&M deal how did you how did that come about because that's such a great opportunity that you've created for women to actually physically be in these stores yeah so without giving too much of um you know <laughs> my business it was really one of those things where you know when you are doing the work for so long and you don't think nobody is noticing you and nobody's paying attention there are people noticing you and there are people paying attention so whenever you feel like you're alone whenever you feel like it's not happening trust me um things are always working out for you things are always working out for me um 
the Inspired Tour, the Buy From a Black Woman Inspired Tour presented by H&M Now was originally just the Buy From a Black Woman Inspired Tour. For the first two years of the tour, I did it on my own. It was self-funded. Um, I was in my car doing it. Like I was just driving places and just orchestrating everything and I knew it was going to be more I knew that I wanted partnerships with retail companies I knew I wanted black women inside of stores so people could support and buy from them but you know we can't just say this is what I want and wait this goes back to when I was saying just start so it was like okay nobody knows what I'm doing I'm just getting a couple people to buy in. I'm doing all this on my own. It's the summertime. This is how I want to spend my birthday. I was still teaching full time. So I had the summer off. So it was like, this is this is what I'm going to do. And then I did it again the next year. And then, you know, when H&M came to me, they were like, hey, we see the work that you're doing. We see what you've been doing. We would love to figure out how we can, you know, help. And that's one thing that I really love about H&M instead of them, because they could have easily created their own program and did their own thing. But it was important for them to find an organization who was doing the work that they can help amplify. And that was just a beautiful synergy. So I had something already and I had a proven model and I knew how I wanted to enhance it because I had already been doing the work. So being prepared for when people come and seek you out is such a key part of that. If I was not prepared, if I was not already doing the work, they would have never noticed me. They would have never saw me. They would have overlooked me. And then, you know, I would have been just trying to make up ideas that may not have worked. They may have worked because I have good ideas. But at the same time, I had solid proof. This is what I've been doing the last two years. This is what we can do together to make it bigger to look like this. And it grateful it has been we're approaching year four of our partnership. So it has been an amazing journey. Wow, that's just incredible. So you also mentioned your podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, uh, a black woman's podcast. Okay, so then that also goes, the theme is here, if you're listening, do the work. <laughs> that's the theme, okay? So a Black Woman's Podcast has been my pet baby, I want to say, for the last three years. And I've been trying to figure out my space, um, my voice in the podcast world. So like I did it when I was interviewing Black women exclusively. I did it when it was just me just talking exclusively. Um, I did it where I was just like, you know what, I'll just have round tables let's try and figure out my formula and gosh we got it so <laughs> it is a you know it's a combination of being a black woman sharing my life story sharing the things that work for me being motivational and also interviewing black women um, sometimes we tell their story their history how they started sometimes we talk about what they're doing now and we do it together um, and we just work through that or we don't talk about any of those things and we just have a conversation about some hot topics that you know we don't get to talk about in public because we can't talk about it in public so it's really you know a Black Woman's Podcast is a podcast for Black women and the people who support them to listen in on things. Um, so we have our Monday Motivations, our Wednesday Considerations, and Fridays with a Black woman. And that's just really, a Black woman could be just me or it could be a guest. On Wednesday is me sharing something that I want you to consider today. Wednesday's consideration was to get out the land and make believe. Um, our ideas, our imagination have so much fun 
Why why are they the only ones having fun? <laughs> like get out there and do the things that you daydream about. Do the things that you're visualizing. Don't let the land make believe have all the fun, but also don't let it ruin your fun because you're so scared as well. You know, because we make up our fears, we make up these false narratives, we make up these things that nobody, nobody is thinking about you. So why are you acting like, oh my gosh, I can't post without my earrings on because they're going to say I'm right. No. <laughs> so stop doing that to yourself live the life that you should be living that you live in your head and that's what so consider if you removed your fears how would you be able to live your life so that's Wednesday and Monday I just motivate with a motivational story like hey girls let's do this and one that really got it was on Martin Luther King Day which was a Monday I talked about how uh, Martin Luther King had a housekeeper than Annie. So why don't you? How do you think you're going to be great if you don't have help? So, oh yeah. my God, that's amazing. It's great. Awesome. So you said that you've learned a lot about business through starting this organization. But what have you learned about yourself? Oh, a lot. I have patience. <laughs> You know, I I am a very patient person um, and I'm nice. And I don't say that like in a way, like my friend, she gets on me. She's like, you're the nicest Leo I've ever met. Like all the Leos I know are not nice. You are a nice Leo. I'm like, okay. But that's, I was very, very angry in my twenties. Um, I was a very angry person. There were things that have happened to me um, that I was just holding on to so much hurt, so much despair, just so much angry and judging people and holding grudges and just, just like, you know, the world owes me this. This is why, you know, I'm failing because of everybody else. Not because of me, but because this happened and that happened. My father did this and my mother was like that. And my friend, like, ah. Uh, and I just started changing because I didn't want to be angry. Um, I started going to therapy. I started eating different. I started changing what I watched, what I read, what I consumed. And I decided that, you know what? I want to be happy. I want to be a person that brings smiles to other people. I want people to leave me feeling inspired and uplifted and encouraged. I want people to receive knowledge from our conversation, whether it's me sharing an article or sharing a book or sharing a story of my own or someone else. This is the person I want to be. I'm getting a emotional so if I cry you know please forgive me but it's just like I made that choice and it's something that I have to do every day um you know we're friends so I can share like in the military like I went to war I served um overseas Iraqi and enduring freedom so two-time war vet but I have PTSD um I have serious doubts um, bouts of depression. There are some days that are harder to deal with than others. So I had to put practices in my way. Like, am I going to continue to live like this? Or am I going to be the version that I see in my head of who I want to be? So everything, I'm always making a choice. And we all do that. We're all able to like, you know what? I choose to do something different. Okay, well, I can choose to eat this donut or I can choose to drink some water. All right, I'm gonna choose water because I know if I eat this donut, it's gonna taste good right now, 
but I would be upset when I put these jeans on. I'm like, damn, I shouldn't have ate that donut. Now I'm going to have some self-hate and some body shaming in my own head. Because nobody else cares what I look like. <laughs> you know, nobody else cares. It's just, it's all me. Um, so I learned that I am patient, not just with other people, but with myself. And I'm nice. And other people see the patience and see me being nice because I'm doing it for myself. So they're benefiting from it. So they're like, oh, you're nice. It's because I'm nice to myself. You get to benefit from me being nice to myself because I'm nice to myself. I'm nice to you because I love me. I can love you because I'm friendly and patient with myself. I can be friendly and patient with you. You're benefiting from me choosing myself first. So I learned how to do that. You are my new favorite person on the planet. And I, just I was remember. just thinking the exact same thing. It's like, okay, so can I know do you mention the other woman is your best friend, but you have to deal with the fact that the Harrington sisters are taking over. <laughs> <laughs> what are your future goals and plans for Buy From a Black Woman? Oh, I have lots of future goals and plans. One of my audacious goals is, which is like a long-term goal, I want to be on Sesame Street. Like that's going to be my pivotal, I made it moment. When I'm on Sesame Street in a cash register in a store teaching about economics and business and money. That is my ultimate. I know people are like, well, when I talk to Oprah, yes, that's great. But Sesame Street is my ultimate mom, I made it moment. So I like goosebumps, goosebumps <laughs> from head to toe. <laughs> So like that, everything is how, everything literally is how do I get to Sesame Street? So like that is my mantra. How do I get to Sesame Street? Am I doing this to get to Sesame Street? Will this take me to Sesame Street? Will this apply to Sesame Street? How do I get to Sesame Street? <laughs> All right, passionistas that are listening, if anyone yeah, can Here we go, anybody out there? We know people in Hollywood like yes. yet. How do we get Nikki to Sesame Street? Yes. So that that is that is my ultimate goal. Um, but you know, of course, we have intermediate because I'm starting. So like the small things. Um, as we start with 2024, as I mentioned, our partnership with H and M is happening again. We're doing the accelerator program, a Black Women's Podcast. I'm letting people who are not Black women on the podcast, which is <laughs> interesting. Uh, we have one woman, Courtney. She wrote a book in the company of women. And she talked about some of the great Black women authors. Um, so I'm going to be interviewing her, doing some research and stuff with her around that. We have our survey. Um, it's just a lot, of, a lot of stuff. And then there's things where, you know, that's going to happen that I don't even see because I haven't been privileged to the vision just yet. So there's a lot of things where, you know, stuff happened. And they're like, Nikki, did you play that? No, it's being still, it's listening, it's believing, and then just doing the work, trusting that it will come true. Oh, it will. It definitely will. I mean, look at what you've <laughs> built. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so what's the question we are not asking as allies? What should we be thinking about that that's, we're not thinking about? That's a great question. That That's a great question. Um, as allies, I guess just remembering that you are an ally. Um, there's so often where allyship is confused with you not you per se, but like with allies telling us what we need or telling us what our voice is or telling us how things are being interpreted or how. So it's just remembering that as much as you learn and you read and you have friends, you will never be a black woman. So you can never speak on our behalf. Um, when you go into spaces and places with people and 
you know, remembering that if you're talking about the demographic, if you're talking about Black women, if you're talking about Black people, and you look around and nobody in the room looks like the people you're talking about, stop having that conversation. Like we shared at the beginning of the podcast, don't be afraid, no matter how awkward it is, do not be afraid to speak up for what you believe in is right. And it's just really just that opens so much door. Of course, donating is always a given. But, you know, with that, having real allies who are not afraid to say, oh, I love where this conversation is going. However, there are no Black women here present to speak on Black women's behalf. So maybe we should stop until we find some. That can change so many things um, with this country, with the world, and with the way that not only we operate business, but how we operate how we operate. <laughs> I mean, that's critical to us. That's, that is the foundation that we have built this on is we don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. We don't know what it's like to be a woman with a disability or an indigenous woman. So we've created a space where people can talk about their own issues and, and then we'll all see what the common issues are, but also how we can be supportive of the things that we're not familiar with. So we appreciate you saying that and we will always have a, a space open to you and other black women to tell your own stories because that's the only way we're going to learn. And it's not on you to educate us completely. We have to do our own research too, but you know, we appreciate you coming and, and saying that and, and being so open about what you've been talking about. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Excellent. So you you have all of these amazing belief systems and philosophies. You mentioned your grandmother and your aunt and your mother. So talk to us a little bit more about them and what you learned from them growing up. Oh, my goodness. So they like I mentioned, they are three different black women. <laughs> I would say like my grandmother, um, she was born in the 1930s. So she was born during the Great Depression. Uh, she had to raise her brothers and her, you know, sisters at a very young age. The highest she ever got through education was eighth grade. And you can imagine eighth grade um, education in the 1940s for Black people were not anything. So there's that as well. Um, so she grew up learning that her skill sets is how she would get ahead. So she learned how to barter. She learned how to sew, how to cook. She knew that she had to use her hands and her minds in order to enhance and be there for her family because she didn't have the education piece. And from that, she got educated. She got smart. You know, my grandmother, I don't think I've ever saw my grandmother read a book. I don't I don't think I've, that's ever happened. Um, but she also does not know how to write and print. She can only write in cursive, right? Because that's how she she was taught in grammar school was just the cursive so she doesn't print anything everything is in cursive because of her upbringing so having that my mother who was just like books 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 right like everything is in the book they don't want you to know it because they put it in the book if you don't read the book research and it's like growing up with her oh mom how do you spell this and she would spell out dictionary for me and I'm just like I just want to know how to spell a word why do you like why do you make and everything look it up research it for itself so like that got me into like okay I must cite everything I must source everything if there's not you know, and it's in a book and you can like, you just see a little bit of books, but my house is filled with books because of my mother and my aunt, 
fly. Like, okay, we're going to do all this, but we're going to look good while we're doing it. So we don't leave the house looking like this. And we don't leave the house talking like that. And when we go, we must be presentative and we must be this, we must be that and da, 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 da. And don't get me wrong, all of them had a little bit of each other in it because they grew up together. But it was just so dynamic to see these women and their different spheres. And then with their communities who were so different. You know, they had the communities of Black women. And my grandmother's community, they bartered. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make you a cake. And in turn, you do this for me. And like, that was the currency. And going to church. And my mom and friends was like, you know what? I had this research paper. And yes, well, did I know this professor? Or I know this person with this job. And what that community looked like. And my aunt was like, you know, okay, I work in corporate and I work here. And this is how you talk when you're in the boardroom. This is how you talk when you're in the conference. So it's just like seeing all the different types of Black women I could be. And then I was able to get all three of them um, at the same time. So now I'm, I'm a combination, like the perfect combination of all of them. And it's just an honor um, to be that to have so much influence right there in my house where it's like okay I know what gossip is I know what spirituality is I know what the corporate lingo is I know how to turn on and turn off I know how to research I know how to cite books I know how to be professional I know how to be with my girlfriends I know how to cook I know how to sew like all this like all together so they were like I couldn't ask for a stronger foundation of black womanness um at any way like I, I could not have they sound they sound amazing and it's not surprising that you're a product of all three of them oh, thank you and they're they're a riot when we get together it's always a good time and sometimes it can be intimidating um to other people because just the way that we talk like my mother had me at a young age so like sometimes my mother and my aunt they forget that i'm denise and now that i'm an adult you know i'm more of a sister than i am a niece right so like i have a little cousin that my aunt uh, my aunt's daughter she's like 21 22 so I was telling her, I like, well, you were born too late because you were supposed to be my best friend. But, you know, I'm old enough to be your mom. So, <laughs> you know, like, so you're like, you're my niece, but we're cousins. Uh, but her and my son are around the same age. So it was like that. But so it was like, I'm the adult niece, sister type thing where it's just, it's, it's very beautiful. It's a lot because I don't, I'm not sure who is the oldest daughter, but whoever's the oldest daughter, you know, that's a whole nother um, and so my mother has oldest daughter syndrome. My grandmother has oldest daughter syndrome. I have only daughter syndrome. So not only am I the oldest, I'm the only. So it's like all that as well in it. So it's like stuff that I see from my mom and my grandmother. My aunt is just so carefree, la, 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 you know? So it's like seeing the different viewpoints from that too has added into how I interact um with other black women as well because i'm able to tell like oh you must be the oldest daughter uh, <laughs> you're the youngest one okay all right and now i'm able to talk to you differently because i know how you'll be able to receive so it's just i couldn't ask for a stronger foundation i really couldn't have and what do they think of what you've built yeah so they're very proud um in the beginning they had no idea you know, what was going to happen, where it was going to go. My mother, she was like, yeah, whatever, just don't be homeless. And if you are, send me my grandson, <laughs> you know, like one of those things. Um, I, I told a joke, like I had hired my mother and my aunts for an event and they were just terrible. So I fired them and I'm just like, I, yeah, I fired them, but they're, they've been rehired. My grandmother, 
you know, we have a scholarship named after her. Our awards are called Adela. So when we honored her that one of the awards, she was like, well, I need to go. The award was on a Saturday. She said, well, I need to go home because I need to go to church. I need to go to church and show people my award. They need to know that I have an award named after me. So like, they're just, they're proud, right? And these are, again, Black women. Like I mentioned, my grandmother born in the 30s. So she's seen a lot. Well, the 1930s, because we're almost approaching 2030s. That's so wild. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But, you know, like these are black women who had no idea something like this could be possible for black women. And I remember this one event my grandmother came to and she was looking around and she pulled me aside. And she's like, Nicole, do these white people know that this is your business? I'm like, yes, grandma. They they know. They're like, they know that you do this. You work for black women. I'm like, yes, grandma. They know. They know. And she was just so in disbelief, like. This is all for black women. I'm like, yes, grandma. Don't you see the word black woman? She's like, are these white people doing that? I'm like, yes, grandma. They are. They are. She's like, well, back in my day, well, this is not your day no more, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, being able, and this is a woman who only voted one time in her life. You know, that was Obama the first term. She didn't even vote the second term. So to be for her to see you know, segregation, civil rights, Jim Crow, Vietnam, the 80s with Bush and all that stuff. And now seeing Black women being celebrated, you know, it brings her so much hope and inspiration that she also was able to shed some of her angerness. Also, my mother and my aunt the same way, you know, because they were becoming adults during the 80s. So they saw so many of their peers just not be able to have success at a certain level because they were Black women being celebrated for just being a Black woman, you know, not having the dreams of entrepreneurship. It's not just my um, my family that see this. When I see other Black women business owners and I meet their moms and their older family, because we were told so long, you go to college, you work in corporate, you get you a pension, you retire. Entrepreneurship wasn't something that was taught to our community. So for them to see that their daughters or their nieces are doing this and being celebrated for it, it brings a light and shines so much onto Black women that is just immeasurable. And I'm just very, very honored that I was chosen to do this work. Wow. Um, I'm just speechless from all of this. Like, it's just, <laughs> You're amazing. You really are. Um, have you had have you had professional mentors during this, or have you just <laughs> mentored other people? In my head, um, just in my head, to be honest with you. Um, but I've had mentors my whole life. Um, who have been black women like Miss Harris was my sewing teacher in high school and I always hear her favorite phrase was like it's not the machine it's the operator and she would say that when we were like oh this machine isn't working the sewing machine is broke da, 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 da. and she always say it's not the machine it's the operator slow down figure out why it's not working and try again. So that's something that has stuck with me. She's no longer with us. She died from breast cancer. Um, but that that stays in my head so much with so many things. Like when I'm trying to figure out a project or I try to read an email or you know, send an email or try to figure out like how to get the sponsor or this partner or this meeting. It's like, okay, let me slow down. If they said no, it's not the machine, it's the operator. So let me figure out what I need to do to get that. So 
while I didn't have professional mentors and I still don't have them, I'm looking for them. I have been a mentor and I have lots of mentors in my head, which is why I read so many books because I like so many black women have wrote so many great books um, that so much knowledge is in there. So that's why I'm like, oh, Carl Harris in my head, like we BFS, we click tight. Now she might not know who I am, but I have all her books listen to her speeches daily you know so in my head I have a lot of mentors um maybe one day I'll be able to meet them and then maybe sometimes I'm not supposed to because they say they'll meet your heroes so there's that as well <laughs> it can be tricky <laughs> that's for sure so where do people find you and how can they get involved Yes, yeah, so we are Buy From a Black Woman on all platforms, all roads lead to Rome. You just put Buy From a Black Woman in Google, you can find it. All of my personal stuff is a Black woman because we stay on brand here. So like a Black woman's podcast, my personal website is what? A Black woman's website. My social is a Black woman. So like just Google if you're looking for me to get involved. We love donations. Um, That really helps our cause and our mission. A donation keeps the party going. Um, When you see the event, you know, tell people about it. And the most way that you can do it free is just share, share what we have going on, share our emails, share our social posts, like our posts, subscribe to the stuff. That's free. It costs nothing. Um, and that's a hill that I die on. I don't understand why you see stuff on social media that you're following and you don't like it. If you're following that page when they post something, you should like it every time. Because why are you here if you're not? It costs you nothing. You're already using the data on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one last question for you. What what's your dream for black women? Oh my goodness, so many dreams. My dream for black women is to, oh my goodness, that's such a heavy question. Um, you know, to dream the dreams that they never thought would come true, but not to leave them as dreams. So like, you know, like I said, stop living your dream in your head. Don't let your imagination just have the fun. Know that if the vision came to you, if you're thinking about it, if you're dreaming about it, it is waiting for you. You dream so you can receive. It's like, hey, I'm here. I know you see this dream. And it had, and we dream so detailed, right? We have like, literally, okay, this is what I'm wearing. This is who I'm talking to. This is where I'm at. You have every detail in your dream act on it, visualize and take action. Thanks for listening to the Passionistas Project. Since we're not only business partners, but best friends and real life sisters, we know how unique and truly special our situation is. We know so many solopreneurs, activists, women seeking their purpose and more who are out there doing it all on their own. They often tell us that they wish they had what we have. So we're creating a space for them and you to join our sisterhood where trust, acceptance, and support are the cornerstones of our community. By joining, you become part of our family. We'll give you all of our CIS tips on building meaningful relationships through the power of sisterhood and all the tools you need to thrive in three key areas, business growth, personal development, and social impact. You'll learn from our panel of power passionistas who are experts on topics like transformational leadership, following your intuition, the power of voting, and so much more. You can join us virtually and in person at storyteller events and meetups to connect with other members of the community. And you'll be able to participate in our online forums with other like-minded women and gender non-conforming, non-binary people who share your values and goals. 
Be sure to visit thepassionistasproject.com to sign up for your free membership to join our worldwide sisterhood of passion-driven women who come to get support, find their purpose, and feel empowered to transform their lives and change the world. We'll be back next week with another passionista who's defining success on her own terms and breaking down the barriers for herself and women everywhere. Until then, stay passionate.